to, something to stroll to. If you's a player in the game, this'll hold you. More money, more money for the bankroll. Stick to the script, don't slip in the nine fold. A lot of fools put salt in the game to where these women get the notion that they run in the game. Huh? I run my own and I'm my own self person. No respect, make the situation worsen. Feel more HP than Sunnydale. There's a players club everywhere you dwell. Lakeview, PH, and Army Street. A different part of town, a different kind of freak. I just work on my toes on a mink rug and press play on remote at the players club. Today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyFeud.com, a premier destination for daily fantasy sports. Fantasy Feud offers daily contests for all sports and a wide array of game offerings. Play in their high-stakes $1 million NFL championship or try one of their NFL season-long leagues where you draft a new team each week. Join Fantasy Feud today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4. The word was getting out, both takes out rappable. Don't need a clock, but I bought one just in case. I could try to stop me from pursuing my paper chase. So the chase is on. Welcome to DFS MVP, a daily fantasy sports most valuable podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. It's week 11 in the NFL I am 4 for 4's senior DFS editor, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my co-host, 4 for 4's TJ Hernandez. What's going on, TJ? What's up, Chris? Uh, I know it's uh, unlucky week 11 for you, kind of a somber week for New York, but uh, you know we don't want to get too deep into that. We'll just, we'll just focus on the positives. Definitely, and uh, for you guys that do not know, uh, FanDuel has quote-unquote, temporarily suspended games in New York. So DraftKings is still up. Some of the other sites are still up, but FanDuel, not an option this week. But before we go on, let's talk quickly about the song that played us in. It was Players Club by Rappin' Forte off his 1994 album, Don't Fight the Feeling. TJ, you were ready with this track. You sent me this almost a week ago. What made you <laughs> yeah. choose this one? I mean, I, I was just kind of flipping through Pandora and it came up and I was like, oh man, this is a classic old school track. I mean, it, it's it's classic to me because I grew up in the Bay Area. I don't know how popular it was on the East Coast. I think it was everywhere. I just I just remember seeing the music video and at the end it shows the Oakland Coliseum and I grew up really close to there. And back the, the old Oakland Coliseum before Mount Davis when it was just the A's and the big open uh, center field. So I always remember that when I think about that song. Definitely. Now, that song was popular out here on the East Coast as well, and it pretty much fits with uh, our theme because it talks a little bit about, you know, getting some paper, talks about bankroll, so, you know. The DFS Players Club. (laughs) Exactly. The DFS Players Club. There you go. So, if you guys listened to the show last week, you know that we have been giving away free 4 for 4 DFS subscriptions every week. The winner of this week's free 4 for 4 DFS subscription is Kurt Hendu. That's C-U-R-T-H-E-N-D-U. So Kurt Hendu, please email DFS MVP at 444.com to get your free 4 for 4 DFS subscription. Again, that's Kurt 
Hendu. Congratulations. Please contact DFS MVP at 444.com to claim your free sub. This week, we will again be doing a free DFS subscription giveaway. If you already have a DFS subscription with 444, you will get yours extended by one year if you are the winner. To enter, log on to our page on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. You can do so by going to iTunes, typing in DFS MVP in the search bar. Our podcast will pop up and you can rate and review it from there. So, without further ado, let's jump right into some Week 10 takeaways. And it was a pretty standard week. A couple of surprises. My... Takeaways were number one that volume for running backs and especially passing game volume can offset a tough matchup. And we saw this with Jeremy Lankford against the Rams. He was able to notch over a hundred yards receiving. We saw this with Sharkandrick West in a tough matchup with the Broncos. Uh, he was also able to do a lot of work in the receiving game. Both players had 80 yard or more touchdowns on screen passes. So that just shows that, number one, even in a tough matchup, if you're getting volume, you're getting passing game volume especially, that can offset uh, some of the difficulty that you may have running the football. And also, running backs who are catching passes generally have a bit more upside just because it's easier to take a screen pass or just any pass in general 80 yards or a long distance to the house than it is to break through the line of scrimmage and take a running play that far unless you're Adrian Peterson, of course. And another takeaway I had was that we're getting to that midpoint of the season, that stretch run where teams will inexplicably have letdown games. So I think earlier in the season when we were looking at Vegas lines, sometimes Vegas just wouldn't have a good read on certain teams early on yet. And now I think that we have 10 weeks of data. The numbers are bearing out who teams really are, but there's still a human element and teams will have letdown games. And we saw that last Monday night with the Bengals offense. They only scored six points. And we also saw it on Sunday with the Rams defense who hadn't allowed a touchdown at home in three games and pretty much I think it was the first or second drive of the game for the Bears they just completely whiffed on a simple uh hook by Zach Miller and he took it 87 yards to the house and then I already mentioned that Lankford long touchdown so that's something to always remember teams will have wet down games so when especially when you're setting your tournament lineups be sure to account for that and that's all I really had, TJ. Did you have anything from Week Ten? Yeah, I mean, I just that your your uh, discussion about running back volume. Um, I always go back to your preseason articles uh, referencing um, stats that that correlate most with fantasy production, and there's a reason that running back volume is very important. Uh, you know, over efficiency, um, you know, over matchup. Uh, so that's. In the long run, that's always a stat that is obviously really, really important, but I think some people uh, just get lost in the, the talk of matchups every week. Uh, my big takeaway was the struggle of the Packers' offense. Uh, it's something that you and I talked about in our meeting on Monday, um, and 
I mean, you're you're admittedly a much better film watcher than I am, and you were pointing out just how um, Aaron Rodgers is dropping his eyes, how he um, is really paying attention to the rush. That's something we've never seen before. You know, look, I, I like to look at, at at touchdown rates, at historical rates, and I've kind of you know still been kind of fighting for a Rod this year just because he's such a good quarterback and arguing that he's still going to be able to to regress to his mean and you know lift up the rest of that offense. But without Jordy, uh, with not without a great running game, that offense is really struggling. Um, so I think we kind of have to uh, really start adjusting our take on that team. And uh, they're not just uh, Aaron Rodgers and the rest of that passing game isn't, isn't must-play status right now. Yeah, that's a great point. And another, there's a couple of other facets to this issue. So I was watching that game and against the Lions and a lot of there's a lot of talk about Devontae Adams and how over the last two games he's been targeted a ridiculous amount of times and it really hasn't added up to much production. And I was actually surprised to see, especially early in the game, Adams was open and Rodgers was actually just missing him on throws. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the game, it started to become a trend where Adams was having trouble getting open. So it was it wasn't just Adams. It was both of them. And. Terry Bradshaw and a couple of other people have brought up a good point that Tom Clements is calling the plays this year. Yeah. Mike McCarthy had always called the pre- plays, excuse me, previously. And a lot of people who have followed the Packers closely are saying that that may be one of their biggest issues and that the Packers receivers without Jordy Nelson are having trouble winning against man coverage. And basically the, the reasoning goes that Clements is not drawing up route concepts to scheme his receivers open against man uh-huh. coverage. He's kind of just giving them individual routes that they have to win against man coverage. And I think they were kind of counting on Devontae Adams to do that a lot more last week against Nevin Lawson, who was uh, standing in for the injured Rasheen Mathis. And that didn't really happen. Randall Cobb wasn't able to win consistently against Quandre Diggs or Josh Wilson. So it it's really a, a huge issue Right now, the whole Packers offense isn't really working too well. We have Eddie Wacy's struggling, didn't even suit up last game. So nothing, whether it be the running game or Aaron Rodgers or the receivers, nothing is really working right now. So definitely something to keep in mind and probably temper expectations with the Packers. But um, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, TJ, take us into your quarterback's for week 11 yeah i mean right off the bat um my guy Derek carr uh oakland raiders their passing game has has been uh, nothing short of great this year um carr has thrown uh, more than has thrown two plus touchdowns in every game except from one this year uh, he has the fourth highest touchdown rate in the league. He's throwing touchdown on 6.6% of his passes this year. That's uh, That trails only uh, only three other quarterbacks this year. And over the last three games, everyone, every game he's thrown for over 300 yards, he's thrown for two-plus touchdowns, and he's still reason, reasonably priced. Uh, he's crept into the top ten, uh, but he's still uh, you know, very affordable at $7,700 on FanDuel, at $6,300 on DraftKings. 
the matchup is phenomenal against Detroit, even though the aforementioned Aaron Rodgers wasn't able to take advantage of it. Uh, Detroit still ranks 31st in the league in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They've allowed the highest completion percentage in the league. And, of course, we always want to look at that Vegas total. Vegas gives the Raiders one of the higher implied point totals of the week, uh, just over 24 points, 24.75 points. Uh, so the Raiders uh, do most of their scoring through the air. 85% of their offensive touchdowns have came via the pass. So if they do put up a big number, uh, that obviously favors Carr um, a lot. And again, this this is the theme of the podcast this year, man. We just keep going back to that uh, that synergy between passing games that you've talked about, that I've talked about. Um, Matt Stafford makes for a great play in the same game, a very great value. Um, I, I've talked about it a couple times that uh, quarterbacks that have, have scored uh, 25 points or more on FanDuel. Um, over two-thirds of the time, the opposing quarterback has put up at least 20 points. So, you know, that's just numbers showing us that there is a positive relationship between passing games. Uh, the shootout effect is real. Uh, this game has a total uh, at 47.5. Um, Stafford, again, is the cheaper play at $7,000 on FanDuel, 5400 on DraftKings. Um, like the Raiders, the, the Lions do most of their scoring through the air. Uh, 89% of Detroit's offensive touchdowns have come via the pass, and when they get in the red zone, they've ran 70% uh, pass plays, which is the highest red zone uh, pass percentage in the league. And we, I like to talk about not just the implied point total, but the relative implied point total, what Vegas think an offense is going to do uh, compared to what they've been doing all season. The Lions have the second highest relative in point total, uh, four, 4.2 points over their season average, just under 23 expected points. So a high expected point total with a spread of just two means that we should see uh, both passing games uh, do pretty well. Um, two, two teams that like to throw the ball against two secondaries that aren't good at defending the pass is kind of the perfect cocktail for um, a big day of passing. Um, and then moving uh, pretty far down, um, in the quarterback ranks, um, a guy that we saw kind of lighted up at the end of last year in this offense is Mark Sanchez. Uh, there, there are quite a few interesting options at very, very cheap prices this week just because of a couple starters getting benched because of a couple injuries. Uh, but you have to look at least take a look at Mark Sanchez against his Tampa Bay defense. Uh, Sanchez is only 6400 on FanDuel, and he's only $5,000 on DraftKings. Uh, despite... The Eagles not having their starting quarterback, Vegas still gives them an implied point total just under 26 points. Uh, the Eagles run the fastest pace in the league. Uh, it wasn't something we saw early in the year, but again, Chip Kelly finally has the offense, you know, moving like he wants it to. It always it's taken. We've seen it a few years in a row now. It takes this offense, uh, it takes these players a, f- a few weeks to to get used to Chip Kelly's system. But now they're rolling. Uh, they're running. More plays than anybody in the league. Tampa Bay is 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, and Tampa's the only uh, defense in the bottom three in both completion percentage allowed and touchdown rate allowed. 69% completion percentage against the Bucks and a 6.3% touchdown rate against the Buccaneers. Um, so quarterbacks have been very successful against this defense, which uh, makes Sanchez a very um, interesting option at, at a very low price point. Definitely. Same guys I'm pretty much looking at there. I think it's it's funny that all of a sudden we just have so many options at yeah. 
depressed price points at quarterback, and you don't even really need to use them because there's just so much value pretty much everywhere, mm-hmm. which we will get to as the show goes on. So I will go into the running backs for Week 11, and the first guy I'm looking at is Devontae Freeman. I think I've pretty much talked about him every week since he became a starter. He's 9,100 on FanDuel. He is 8,400 now on DraftKings. He is the fantasy running back one. He's averaged 26.2 touches per game since taking over as the Falcons starter. He leads the league in touchdowns, carries inside the red zone, and carries inside the opponent's 10-yard line. The Falcons have a Vegas implied total of 26.8, and the Colts are permitting the third most rushing touchdowns in the league to running backs. So Freeman, you're going to get the volume. You're going to get the red zone work. He's a home favorite. There's a lot to like with him this week, and I believe he is the top overall play at running back. And then another guy who's coming on really strong, Adrian Peterson. He's 8,900 on FanDuel, 6,800 on DraftKings, which is a nice bargain on that site. He has 20 or more touches in eight straight games. He's gone over 100 total yards in four straight. He has gone over 100 rushing yards in three straight. And we mentioned the Packers struggling. The Vikings are actually the slight favorite in this game Mm. they have a one point advantage at home so that's also a good look anytime you're talking about a running back and green bay has allowed the ninth most rushing yards per game in the nfl at 116.2 so peterson is another strong play at a high price point then as far as the value the main guy that sticks out here is sharkandrick west he is 7,100 on FanDuel. He's only 4,500 on DraftKings. So another guy who is a real bargain, especially on DraftKings. He had a clunker in his first game as a starter, but since then he's burst onto the scene. Three straight games, over 100 total yards and a touchdown. He's averaging 25 touches for 137 total yards and 1.3 touchdowns over that three-game span. He has a great matchup against the Chargers defense. They're allowing 122.9 rushing yards per game. That is 27th in the NFL. They are allowing 4.9 yards per carry. That is 30th in the NFL. And then here at 4 for 4, we have a tool that adjusts fantasy points allowed for strength of schedule. And the Chargers are dead last in the NFL in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So, Sharkandrick West will probably be the chalk play at running back this week for good reason. TJ, anything you want to add there? No, I mean, uh, the value on, on West this week is insane on DraftKings. Uh, I just wanted to point out since since becoming uh, the starter, only only Chris Ivory and Marshawn Lynch have more touches um, inside the ten yard line than than West. So you know we always talk about Freeman and his uh, his floor and his volume uh, you know near the goal line, but West has really been the guy that stood out in that respect since he's became the starter and um, and since uh, since then uh, he's the only back with uh, both. 
10 touches inside the 10 as well as four targets per game. So he's catching the ball too. So he has a ridiculously high floor this week and just as high of a ceiling. They're using him. They're using him like Jamal Charles. Yeah, they really are. I mean, they haven't skipped a beat, so uh, that that price point is ridiculous. Um, but moving on to wide receiver, uh, my my top, probably my top guy of the week. Just uh, not only just in value, but just my top play of the week is Mike Evans. Um, it's this is the only game I, I talked about the Eagles' offensive pace. This is the only game that features uh, two teams in the top ten in offensive pace. That that stats courtesy of Football Outsiders. Uh, they track offensive pace, so that's that's really interesting to note. Uh, a fast-paced game in a game where it's kind of that classic funnel defense. Philly's been really really good against running backs, uh, but they've been vulnerable vulnerable against wide receivers. And Mike Evans has been. Uh, pretty much that entire offense over the past few weeks. Uh, over the last six weeks, Evans leads the league in both target market share and red zone target market share. Uh, his target market share over the last six weeks is over 38%, and he's seen 42% of the red zone targets. Like Every time I, I've seen that number, I had to double-check it. Like I double-checked it like three times because it's <laughs> such a high number, but uh, 42% of the red zone targets, and the crazy thing is he hasn't converted any of those into touchdowns. So Oh, man. We, yeah, so you would think he has to... Uh, you know, start start regressing a little bit to the mean, and especially because he's such a big receiver. Because we've seen the touchdown capability of him. Uh, he has twelve targets in three of the last four games, and and over nine targets in the last four games. So he's just been a, a target monster. And you have to think that you know that that his his touchdown upside is finally going to show through. Uh, if if it's going to happen, this is the week to do it. Philly ranks dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed two wide receivers and again uh, they should move the ball through uh, the air as, as Philly uh, ranks uh, ranks second in the league in, in yards per touch allowed to running back so if Tampa gets it done it's going to have to be uh, via the pass um, back to that Detroit-Oakland game if we like those quarterbacks, we got to like one of those receivers or a lot of those receivers. The guy that's been one of the top values all year is Michael Crabtree. His five, his price is finally starting to creep up a little bit on DraftKings. Um, he's getting near the top 15. He's priced $6,000 on DraftKings. He's still priced outside the top 20 on FanDuel. He's only $6,500 on FanDuel. Uh, and... That's good because we favor that touchdown upside on FanDuel uh, where he's priced a little bit lower. He's been the main red zone option for the Raiders. Um, He's still averaging more targets per game than Amari Cooper. And again, this Detroit uh, secondary has really struggled 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, you mentioned Nevin Lawson. Um, I think he's he's slated to still play this week. Do you know the injury update on um? On uh, Detroit secondary, is Nevin Lawson still in this week? I, I think so because yeah. they lost Rasheen Mathis. I think they yeah. put Rasheen Mathis on IR and yeah, Josh okay. Wilson on IR. That's so what I think I it thought. would be yeah Lawson against Crabtree with Slay on Cooper and then uh, Quandre Diggs in the slot. Yeah, and and Lawson gives up four inches and twenty five pounds to Crabtree. So not only has Crabtree just been a good receiver, but he has a massive size advantage over Nevin Lawson. Um, that's why I love it. You're the only co-host that would probably uh, mention Nevin Lawson in the intro when I already have uh, something to talk about with Nevin. I don't think there's. <laughs> I didn't even see right that now. either. Yeah, yeah that's, that's you know, awesome. You're the only one. You're the only one that's going to mention Nevin Lawson before I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then 
the the clear value of the week uh, that I think everybody is probably going to be on is Dan- Danny Amendola uh, with Edelman out. Uh, Amendola $6,100 on FanDuel. And he's, again, always find just those massive values on DraftKings because they, they release their pricing so early. Uh, with Edelman and Deion Lewis out now, um, there's a combined 37% uh, target market share void. That's how much Edelman and Lewis uh, combined for. Uh, shout out to Justin Bailey for that stat. Uh, Amendola was already uh, seen six targets per game over the last five games, but with Edelman out last week, even just for part of the game, Amendola saw 11 targets. Uh, Buffalo's been pretty good in general against the pass. They've been pretty much middle of the road, uh, but their weakness has been the slot. Uh, Nikhil Roby has... has Really, really struggled this year in the slot. Uh, that's how teams have been attacking the Bills through the air. And Amendola is going to be a slot guy. He he spent 86% of his snaps uh, in the slot, which is actually a lot more than, than Edelman was. Edelman was right under 60% in the slot. Uh, so um, Amendola is going to have a really good matchup in a really high-scoring game. The Patriots, again, have the highest projected point total uh, of the week, over 27 points. Um, and then just a couple, a couple sneaky plays. A guy that I always really like to tout is is Marvin Jones. Uh, he's been he's burnt me the last couple of weeks, um, but but uh, the the Bengals are in another good spot in a high, likely high scoring game uh, against the Cardinals. Uh, and Golden Tate's a sneaky play uh, this week. Again, that that passing game. Uh, synergy. We expect a high-scoring game, and if there is a matchup to take advantage of, it's DJ Hayden. He's been just atrocious this year, and Golden Tate's probably going to be matched up on Hayden, so uh, Golden Tate might be the sneaky tournament play in that game this week. Very true. And before we move on, I just want to remind our listeners that fantasyfeud.com is the place to play one day fantasy contests you can now join their nba contests which are live on the site in addition to nfl nhl pga and nascar contests start for as little as one dollar or you can even try it free and play for points to redeem in their store if you're looking to cash in they have a one million dollar nfl feud of champions contest where they are giving out two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to first place through the first few weeks of the season their qualifiers to this event have had massive overlay last year's winner took home the first place prize with a two dollar satellite entry so go to fantasyfeud.com today and get a 100 percent first time deposit bonus with the referral code four for four that's the number four the letters for and the number four all right now moving on to tight ends rob gronkowski 8400 on FanDuel, 7700 on DraftKings. So his price is actually rising on FanDuel, falling on DraftKings. But as TJ mentioned, Julian Edelman and Deion Lewis accounted for 37% of the Patriots' target market share. They are on the shelf right now. 35% of their red zone targets were also accounted for by Edelman and Lewis. So Gronk should get a bump in that area most definitely last time these two teams met the Patriots had a 59 to 15 pass to run ratio even with Lewis out and Edelman out I don't think that'll change too much just because Bill Belichick is so game plan specific I think he still wants to use Tom Brady in his passing game to beat the Bills 
Last time these teams met, Gronkowski had a seven-catch, 113-yard, one-touchdown line on 13 targets. With all the value elsewhere, I think you can definitely afford to get Gronk in your lineups if you so choose. And then for a punt option, a low-salary option, Eric Ebron, 5,400 on FanDuel, 33 on DraftKings, the Raiders are giving up the third most fantasy points in the week to tight ends. Ebron is coming off an eight-target game. He has at least five targets in every game he's finished. The Raiders are allowing the second most passing yards per game this season. And Lions-Raiders is tied for the week's highest over-under. So if you're looking for an under-the-radar play in a tournament, Eric Ebron could be the guy. Uh, TJ, anything to add there? No, I mean, uh, tight end's pretty ugly this week. Uh, I don't, I don't usually have too many hot takes, but I am going out on a limb and letting everyone know that listen that this is going to be the Jimmy Graham breakout week. Finally, uh, the the Seahawks have an inflated uh, point total this week. Uh, Graham has quietly had a really big uptick in production over the past few weeks. Over the uh, first five games of the season, Graham is only averaging. Uh, just over five targets per game. Over his last four games, he's averaging over eight targets per game, and over that span, he's accounted for 40% of Seattle's red zone targets. Uh, only Tyler Eifert has a, a bigger uh, red zone target market share over that same time span. Uh, he hasn't converted any of those red zone to target targets into touchdowns, but for his career, he's converted 41% of his red zone looks into touchdowns. So we should expect some positive regression and Niners have struggled, uh, both uh, just against the pass in general. So with that inflated point total, I think this is the week that Jimmy Graham has a big week. Everyone is obviously very frustrated with him because he was an early pick in, in seasonal and redraft. Um, and now he, but now he's at a depressed price point um so when when everybody is off somebody and he has that upside we know what he can do i think it's the week to to roster him in your gpps um cool hot takes yeah, yeah graham dropped a touchdown too he had a bad drop last yeah week a touchdown too so yeah so people are, are probably very very fed up with him so I, I like graham a lot this week um moving on to everybody's favorite position I mean, we're just going to be all over this Raiders uh, Lions game. Uh, Matt Prater is minimum salary on FanDuel to kick, as kicker. Um, a close, high-scoring game indoors on a team with virtually no running game, uh, which <laughs> that bodes pretty good for a kicker. Uh, like they literally don't have a running game. It's they're they're. I mean, it's like they have three Melvin Gordons on their team. Uh, so I like Prater. Um, moving up a couple. Uh, a couple price points, uh, Chandler uh, Catanzaro for the uh, Cardinals. He's only $4,700. Again, this is uh, a game with a 26-point uh, implied point uh, implied point total for the Cardinals. Um, they are... They they kind of play indoors. If the weather's nice, if the weather's nice, it'll be outdoors. But if it's not nice, they'll close the roof. So he basically plays indoors. And then if you want to pay up, uh, you know, a nice strategy always paying up to be contrarian. Uh, Stephen Hauschka is priced at five thousand dollars. Again, an inflated team total, like I, like I talked about with uh, Jimmy Graham, and uh, probably not a lot of people that are going to pay up for a kicker not named Gaskowski. So it'll be a nice way to. Uh, make some unique gpp lineups definitely on four for four we actually have 
Steven Hauschka as the top projected kicker of the week. We have him about 0.1 points over Gostowski this week. And it makes sense just because the Seahawks have a double-digit spread um, that that's that's really a safe thing for for a kicker because that means that it's unlikely that they get behind and have to forego field goal opportunities. Yeah, yeah, it's so, a great point. Good stuff there. Um, at defense, speaking of the Seahawks, that's the top defense of the week. They're fifty four hundred on Fanduel and four thousand on DraftKings. They are the Second-ranked fantasy defense on the season. They're at home. I mentioned they have a double-digit spread. They're fa- favored by 12.5 points against the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers' point total is under 14 right now. <laughs> yeah. I have to go back and look it up, but that might be – that has to be in the lowest – like five lowest point total since the merger, I would Yeah, think. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out a way to filter exactly for an implied point total, yeah. but I can't remember seeing one that low. I remember, I think it was like last year or the year before, I think the Seahawks had a had a really crazy one against the Raiders that was similar to this one, um, where they were favored, but they were favored by like 25, yeah. but I don't know if the Raiders' actual point total was that low, but yeah, this is this is amazing, uh, and I think it's because the 49ers are being quarterbacked by Blaine Gabbert, that has something to do with any type of low point total that you would ever see, so Blaine Gabbert, he's not very good. Um, although the Falcons the defense might have something to say about that. But, yeah. But this, I don't know what else to say about this game. I mean, it, it has all the makings of a massacre. So with all the value, again, I think you can easily afford the Seahawks defense. And they're by far the safest defense on the slate. And just because of the point total and their opponent, they're still great out as pretty much the best value as well. Uh, but if you do want to save a little cash, you can always go with the Carolina Panthers. They are 4,900 on FanDuel and 3,400 on DraftKings. They're a TD favorite at home against the Skins. And they will have the pleasure of bringing Kirk Cousins back down to earth. Uh, we talked last week about how the Redskins' point total was severely inflated compared to their season average. Their season average coming into last week was 19.8. And their point total crept as high as about 26 by the time the line closed last week. This week, the Redskins' point total is back under 20. Again, Cousins is turnover-prone. He's had four multi-interception games already this season, and the Panthers have been a top-six fantasy defense on the year. So Panthers are an option if you don't want to pay up for Seattle. Uh, TJ, anything to add there? No man, those are those are the two teams that I'm I'm really on. I think Seattle might be in one of those rare spots where, uh, you know, there are times where really really high owned teams are not teams to fade even in GPPs. Uh, I think despite their likely high ownership, I'll still have Seahawks in a, a lot of spots this week, even in GPPs. Yeah, and we're, yeah, exactly. I think and I think what usually happens, defenses tend to not be super over owned. Yeah, even if they do have a really good... And there's such limited options at defense a lot of the time that, you know, if there's a really good defense that you can kind of depend on for double-digit points, which I think the Seahawks, pretty much the only defense you can say that about this week, that you pretty much a lock for double-digit points, um, I I think it's fine, too, to forget about ownership and just go with what you can predict. 
But moving on into our DFS theory segment. Today we are going to talk about weekly review process, which is an interesting one. And weekly review, when you're playing DFS, it's really one of the most important aspects of being successful. It's often overlooked, but looking back and seeing where you went wrong is crucial to improving as a player. And you also want to look back and see what you got right and make sure that you can sustain that and that it wasn't just lucky. So the review process, really important. And I will start it off. I will go through my review process as far as players. And then TJ will jump in and he will also talk about, you know, he has a pretty multi-layered review process where he goes through reviewing game selection and weight swaps and how we handle news and a whole bunch of other things. So I'll just go through my process when it comes to actually reviewing uh, the picks that I make in a given week. So since I play both cash games and GPPs, my process is twofold. So for cash game, first I look at all my own cash game plays and I start by making a note of why I picked a player. Then I make a note of what happened and that can be as simple as noting his amount of fantasy points, but sometimes an explanation uh, is necessary if a performance uh, was affected by an injury or a game script situation or things of that nature. So you just want to write what happened and why it happened if something strange happened. And then for any player that did not match up to my expectations, I write down what potential warning signs were there. And those could be things like a low Vegas total, being an underdog, recent underperformance, injury, uh, news about an offensive lineman, uh, coach speak, uh, just due for regression. Whatever the reason of it might be, any type of warning sign that you could have seen uh, in hindsight, I guess, is a way to look at it. Just to kind of get used to the, the warning signs so that, you know, after a while of reviewing week after week, you kind of have this list built up of warning signs that maybe you're not paying enough attention to as you should be. So that's how I look at the cash game plays. I also check out who are the popular highest owned cash plays in general, even if I didn't personally play them. And I look at how those guys did. And that's just to kind of check on the wisdom of the crowd and also to see, okay, was I right for fading this guy in cash or was was I wrong for fading this guy in cash? So with cash game plays, you always want to review not only your plays but any play that's high-owned because a highly-owned cash game play that you faded could hurt you as well. So you always want to look at cash game plays from that perspective. And then for GPPs, since we're really interested in the highest-scoring players of the week at each position, my process for GPPs is actually kind of fun. What I do is I list the top scorers at each position and then I note the players that I had significant exposure to in that week. And I also note the players I did not have significant exposure to. And for all the players I did not have exposure to, I note why I was not on the player. And a lot of times that comes down to things like I thought the matchup was too tough or I thought the Vegas total was too low or things of that nature. And then I also note, again, what potential indicators I could have looked at beforehand to tip me off that this player may be in for a good performance or may be a strong value. 
And these are things like increased snap rate, increased usage. And one thing I've noticed a lot, actually, which is pretty simple, but oftentimes gets overlooked, is just that a player hit value mm-hmm. in his last few games. Um, you know, when a player's hitting value, it's almost a situation where you can kind of ride that player until he stops hitting value. There's actually what I've seen, there's actually more incentive to just, if it's a, if it's a very inexpensive player, don't overthink it, you know, just keep riding that player until he starts not hitting value. And you could have made uh, a lot of money off guys like Gary Barnage, Stefan Diggs, uh, Malcolm Floyd, these last, uh, Michael Floyd, excuse me, these last few weeks, just by, you know, riding a player who's been hitting value at low cost. Um, also things like coach speak is another potential indicator you can look at. Sometimes a coach will say, we want to get this guy involved and, um, that comes to fruition. So, a lot of different things, indicators you want to look at, and it's these. Indi- the reason you're looking at these indicators is because there is a certain process we follow, and certain things we are discounting, and certain factors that we are paying less attention to than others. But of course, it's never going to be a perfect process. So you always want to review and kind of find situations where maybe there's a certain factor that you're weighting a little too low, or or overweighing, or whatever not. And for, again, for for me, I think one of those things. When I go back in my notes, a lot of the times with running backs, it's, well, or, or running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, I think all of them, but in general, it's just, well, you know, the, the matchup on paper looked tough, but, you know, ignoring other factors, like maybe, you know, they're still going to get a lot of volume. I think that happened this week with Charkandrick West and Jeremy Langford, where they were, they were still cheap running backs slated for 20 touches, mm-hmm. even though the matchup was, looked daunting on paper and crazy things can happen that swing game script in the opposite direction. We saw that with Peyton Manning, uh, just throwing a bunch of interceptions. So, Kansas City had a short field to work with, so Denver's defense didn't really come into play, and St. Louis's defense really didn't show up uh, last week either. So those are some things that I look at in regards to picking players. So TJ, you can jump in and either go off that or just get into your processes uh, and some of the other aspects of DFS. Well, no, I, I don't want to gloss over something you said. One one of my favorite things about you, Chris, is you ask people what they do for fun. Some people like to go out to the bars, get a couple drinks some people like to go out to the ball game you say you know what's really fun i like i like listing fantasy points and seeing how many times <laughs> i have that player so you know yeah that's that sounds like fun to me too that's like the most fun i can have is putting football numbers into a spreadsheet that's why i love you um one thing that i i want to reference that you said is just looking at at regression or recent uh trends um it, it's a weird balancing act when we're looking at our our player selection because uh, we always talk about this super small sample size we have with football and, and regression to the mean, but at the same time, it's this weird balancing act where uh, you also, you know, sometimes uh, full season numbers don't tell the whole story and you only want to look at, you know, the past six or seven weeks. It's something we've talked about recently where uh, too big of a sample size might not tell the whole story of of exactly what a team uh, is doing recently or how they might have changed their scheme. So that's a really interesting to note to make. Uh, you know, I, I think this topic is really uh, interesting and really important because it's such an overlooked aspect of growing as a daily fantasy player. Uh, we hear so much about looking forward, about who, who we should be playing this week, uh, who's a value play, uh, but so little time is spent on looking back and reviewing our process. And uh, 
especially in, in a game like football where there's so much knowledge out there and people have such easy access to, to lineup builders and optimizers. Uh, anywhere you can find an edge, if you're taking this game seriously, you have to be, uh, you have to, take that edge and you know put a lot of time into it and reviewing is a place where you can look back and and see where you can improve as a player and i don't think even really good players are doing it often enough including myself sometimes um and this isn't just uh in regards to uh roster construction like you talked about which is very important um but there are there are many layers to to reviewing your process. Uh, that includes game selection. That includes bankroll management. Um, how you handle swaps late. If you even if you're even managing late swaps, uh, you know going into Monday when you're behind on DraftKings. Um, how you handle news Sunday morning. So just going back and and looking at all that information uh, has uh, almost immediate impact on on your bottom line. I referenced this a couple weeks ago on the. Uh, on the podcast, I had very poor process a couple of weeks ago where um, there was some late breaking news about Ladarius Green, and uh, just because of the way my roster was constructed, because there weren't a similar players at, at his price point that I liked, I had him locked into my roster. Found out that he's out a late scratch, and um, it, it caused me to get off Eli as a cash game play when uh, when Eli was my top top-rated quarterback all week. That was the week he happened to go off against New Orleans, and not to give a bad beat story, but um, I let uh, late news cloud my judgment and get me off my top play of the week. So that's that's very poor process. So I went back and you know made a note that if there's late breaking news, um, I could change things. I could adjust my my you know roster a bit. But if there's a guy that I'm very high on for whatever reason, um, that should be the last guy that gets switched up. Um, as far as as reviewing. Uh, the games you're playing, your bankroll management. Um, you know, there, we've talked about on this podcast, and you can find a, a, a lot of other uh, outlets, uh, proper bankroll management, how much you want to buy in for, how much you should allocate to each game. Uh, but again, there's no hard and fast rule. Every two players are different. Everyone's goals are different. Um, so I'm not, you, you don't want to just finish a week and say, oh, I bought in for a hundred dollars and I lost thirty dollars, so uh, I made bad lineups. Where did I make my lineups? You don't want to stop start there. Um, you want to be tracking every single uh, game that you're playing on every site you're playing uh, for every buy-in level. Uh, so, for example, uh, at the beginning of the season, I was splitting my money up pretty evenly, um, playing about you know uh, you know seventy-five to eighty percent cash games uh, with. 20 to 25 percent GPPs, which is a very aggressive GPP strategy, but I was splitting that money right down the middle between uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, By tracking every single game that I play by buy-in level, by game type, um, I've found that um, I've been more profitable in in DraftKings cash games than I have in... um, FanDuel cash games uh, this year at least and it makes sense a little bit I mean there's a lot more variance in FanDuel just because of the scoring uh, because of the kicker um, because there's no flex uh, so rather than just sticking with this strict bankroll uh, strategy that I started with at the beginning of the season um, I've slowly shifted from 50% uh, cash games and DraftKings 50% cash games uh, and FanDuel now I'm all the way 
I'm playing 30% FanDuel, 70% DraftKings, uh, and my profits have increased because of it. Um, if I'm not going back and tracking those results, I just see the bottom line at the end of the week and see that I'm losing and think I'm making bad lineups and uh, I'm not fixing the real problem. The real problem was how I was allocating my funds. Uh, same thing goes for um, uh, qualifiers. I mean, where am I leaking money? Well, my my ratio of GPPs to qualifiers was it was way out of whack. I was playing way too many qualifiers uh, compared to the number of GPPs I'm playing, both uh, amount and buying level. So I'm just bleeding money there. Qualifiers are games where you are. Um, you know, even if you put the same GPP lineup in, you're not going to have the same expected return. So that's another thing that by tracking every single game this year, I've been able to slightly adjust that. And again, in recent weeks, I've seen my profits, uh, you know, increase because of it. And that's with that. That's regardless of if my lineups have been better. I've had some decent lineups and I've had some uh, some poor lineups. But the profits have been bigger and the losses have been smaller because I've adjusted those buying levels. Uh, at the same time, uh, tracking. You know which buying levels, which games you are uh, profitable in. There, rather than say, say you have twenty cash games to play, um, there there might be a threshold where a certain buying level, a skill level, jumps. So even though your lineup is profitable at a, a five dollar cash game, it might not be profitable at a a ten or a twenty dollar level just because the skill level is increasing. So um, if you're playing higher buy-ins just for the sake of higher buy-ins. Uh, you might want to just allocate more funds to a smaller buying level because the skill level is is shorter um, or is is smaller at those games, uh, and then just and then just finally just tracking all of your results, um, how you're how much you're winning, where you're winning, how much you're buying in for, uh, the rate at which you're winning, and that'll give you a pretty good idea. We've talked about uh, we've talked about on the past podcast how we split up our games between uh, head to heads, fifty fifties, and double ups. Um, even though we're never going to get a truly accurate uh, depiction of our of our real win rate, uh, we can get a pretty good idea over the course of the season. After nine or ten weeks, you can have a pretty good idea. Uh, you know, if you're winning sixty five percent of your games on in cash on one of the sites, then you can you can start to to shift some of those lineups to double ups because you think you can be profitable in them. Whereas uh, maybe when the the season starts, you're not sure if you're a fifty five percent, sixty percent winner. You don't want to play those double ups because they might be um, negative expected value for you. After a decent sample, if you see you're winning, you know, sixty percent of your cash games, now you can start playing some more double ups and you have increased upside, uh, but based on on sound logic. Um, so those are just some of the things that that I go through uh, every week. There, there are obviously, um, you know, endless topics that that you can touch on in reviewing. But those are just some some general strategies I use in reviewing my my buy-ins and bankroll management to not only to to make sure that uh, they're they're within my bankroll limitations, but to see if I can I can tweak and make money um, outside of just building better lineups. Woo! That was some great stuff, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you had so many great points. Um, I guess I'll close by just saying something you mentioned was kind of looking at your lineups and seeing what kind of games you want to enter based on how you're performing. And I think that's important just to look at the scores of your lineup, especially your main cash game lineups. Mm-hmm. Look at the scores of those compared to the cutoffs in different types of contests. So, you know, it, it, in a given week, the scores change a lot. For example, this week... I think my main f- cash lineup on FanDuel scored about 100 and 
six points, but I still won like 75% of my head to heads. And that was because it was just a low scoring week. I believe the, the cutoff for double ups was around 101 or something like that. So every week it's going to be different and you can't necessarily look at your raw lineup score, but you can look at your lineup score in relation to say a cutoff and a 50, 50, a cutoff and a double up. And you can also look at your lineup score. You, you, if you're consistently going way over the cutoff, then maybe even beyond double ups, maybe you start wanting to enter more triple ups or more three man leagues. If your lineup is consistently scoring in in a certain percentile, then you might be leaving money on the table by only playing head to head or 50, 50. So, you know, it really depends on your skill level. And that's something to keep in mind when you're reviewing, don't review based on the raw score review based on your performance relative to the competition because in any given week in daily fantasy it's a zero-sum game what you're aiming to do is pretty much out predict everybody else out predict your competition so it's important to use these uh relative uh values rather than just looking at the raw totals yeah and and just one final note is um um, I can only speak for FanDuel and DraftKings because uh, I, I haven't played on the smaller sites much. But uh, when you export your results uh, from the from the results page, um, all those games are already separated for you. They export into a CSV uh, file that you can open in Excel, and all you have to do is sort the column, and all those games are automatically sorted by the title, by the buy-in. So um, it's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of of manual input you have to do. It's just it's literally seconds to to export that data. So they make it very easy for you to review that process. Definitely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okie doke. So that about does it for us for DFS MVP Week 11. At the top of the show, I mentioned that we are giving away a free 4 for 4 football DFS subscription. Once again, to win a free 4 for 4 DFS subscription, go on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. And You can find us on iTunes by searching DFS MVP. Next week, we will choose a winner at random from everyone who rated and reviewed during the week. And the winner will be announced at the beginning of the Week 12 edition of DFS MVP. Another thing that I wanted to point out for 4 for 4 football DFS subscribers is we have added a page that contains player pricing information uh, in terms of salary drops and falls for each website, for each daily fantasy site. And you can find that by going to the DFS tab, and it is the fifth item down. It's called DFS Player Pricing, and we have it for FanDuel, DraftKings, Fantasy Aces, Fantasy Feud, and Draft Day. And what it does is it shows a player's week one price, his current price, uh, how much his current price is as a percentage of the salary cap. It also shows his price change from week one until the current week and it shows his price change from the current week uh, uh, to last week so a lot of cool information there i know a lot of subscribers and people have been asking about that information so that is on the four for four dfs subscription if you go to the dfs tab it is dfs player pricing so thank you Guys, very, very much for listening to us here 
at DFS MVP Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. You can find TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez and you can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Good luck in week 11. Let's get this shmoney. Shmoney. From day one, I had to get my money right. Me flying Frankie J, we took an airplane flight, huh? They wanted to hear rap. I said, I bet. We dropped the beat, I grabbed a mic, and then they wrote a check. A few G's for the pocket, no hesitation. Took a flight back to the Golden State. And shops made orders from a whole new capital. The word was getting out, both tags out rapper.